Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Here's an update on the wild stories that are swirling around the American political landscape at the moment in these final days of the 2016 election cycle. Now, the first is that uh, James Comey has sent a letter to Congress saying he is reopening the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. Now, interestingly enough, the FBI investigation that went on for a little over a year and involved more than 100 agents, that investigation was never actually closed, which I find kind of interesting. One possibility is he didn't want to charge her, knowing that um, that uh, President Barack Obama would probably just give her a pardon, but that's all, of course, rank speculation. So what happened was he said, look, we found a whole bunch more emails. Some people say that it's in the thousands So wild numbers of extra emails that uh, obviously weren't included or weren't provided or weren't available for the initial investigation. So the reopening the investigation, looking at those emails. Where did those emails come from? Well, some people said, of course, um, uh, WikiLeaks and other places, but where they seem to have come from, according to reports, is from Anthony Weiner's computer, a computer that he shared with Uma Abedin. Now, Anthony Weiner is a disgraced congressman who uh, originally was um, uh, had to resign because he was uh, sending tweets, uh, dick pics, right, sending tweets of his genitals to women uh, around the place, uh, I think under the pseudonym Carlos Danger, uh, which is an odd thing to be doing. He left and he tried to come back uh, and then he found he did it again. And then uh, he did it again um, with uh, his... Uh, kids uh, sleeping in the bed next to him, and then it kind of went even further. Good moral in general. Don't tweet your meat, people. Do not tweet your meat. You're not going to end up in a Pink Floyd movie. So then what happened was he was accused of sexting with a 15-year-old girl, right, an underage girl, which he he knew she was underage, and he was uh, uh, texting rape fantasies to her and pictures of himself. Uh, And this is, I mean, serious Uh, serious business. This is more than inappropriateness and disgrace. Uh, This is serious uh, prison time uh, if he is convicted of this accusation. He may be facing up to 15 years in jail for this, so he may in fact be singing uh, like a canary or like myself in my last video. Thanks for all your kind words. It was a lot of fun to do. And uh, this reality that these emails were found, according to reports, on a computer that he shared with Uma Abedin, his I guess, soon to be ex-wife. They were married for many years. And then after the third time, he was disgraced on the internet, uh, and particularly with this uh, illegal action, or potentially illegal action, if it's proven, then she has uh, divorcing him. Now, Uma Aberdeen, I'm sure you know, has been a confidant and chief aide to Hillary Clinton low these many decades. And... Um, I've got an interview with Roger Stone uh, with more details on her, which you should probably check out. It seems quite important to me. Uh, She started uh, about the same time, I think, as Monica Lewinsky. Um, So it looks like uh, both Hillary Clinton and Uma Abedin have a penchant for um, highly capable, sexually degenerate men, uh, if these accusations against, obviously, Bill Clinton and Anthony Weiner are to be believed. So... um, But I guess she shows the kind of wisdom that uh, uh, reveals itself in decisions like, hey, it'd be a great idea to share a computer with Anthony Weiner. Put on your hazmat suit if you dare. So cops took this shared computer, found thousands of emails. And of course, uh, if some of them are classified, then Uma Aberdeen was doing what Hillary Clinton did, which is putting emails on non-secure system. Now, 
the the confusing thing about what happened in the summer with James Comey and this investigation into Clinton was he basically quoted the law, which says when it comes to security matters, intent doesn't matter. Uh, and then he said, well, we can't charge her because we found no intent. Uh, very, very confusing. And um, if there is any hint uh, in this of uh, intent, then, um, uh, well, they're, they're both kind of done, right? Legally, uh, it's going to be pretty much an open and shut case. I always find this confusing because it seems to me that there, a huge amount of information was withheld or people had uh, misdirected uh, the, the FBI with regards to this by avoiding information or, or not telling the full truth and so on, which as far as I understand it is not particularly legal. So uh, they're going to investigate these emails. We'll see. We'll see what comes out. The last investigation took a year. It seems really challenging, given that there's a weekend involved, that it's going to get resolved by the election. So that is going to be the shadow hanging over Hillary Clinton for the next little while. And again, this shows the bias of the mainstream media. If you remember, Corey Lewandowski was supposed to have grabbed the arm of um, reporter Michelle uh, Fields uh, at an event, and it turned out that this really wasn't the case. But, uh, you know, Lewandowski's association with Donald Trump was a way to hammer him for being a bully and attacking, attacking. But the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton's um, chief aide uh, was married to a man accused of basically long-distance pedophilia well, that is uh, something to be brushed aside and not to be mentioned and not to be discussed and not to be talked about. And ah, 15-year-old girl, unbelievable, absolutely horrifying. Now, there, of course, are some theories as to why this uh, came forward at this time, right? It's not usually the case that the FBI will inform Congress of an ongoing investigation. And of course, it is a bit of a game changer. You could call it a Cocktober surprise, but uh, things have uh, have changed. And Nobody knows exactly why. He could have been facing an internal revolt. Uh, as far as I understand it, a lot of the FBI agents who were working on the investigation into Hillary Clinton were certain she was going to be charged. And when she wasn't, you know, it's funny. You know, you work for, I'm sure there's a lot of decent people uh, in the FBI. It's not like I agree with everything they do, but uh, the individuals within it, I'm sure, are decent people in many cases who want to do the right thing. When somebody has done something you perceive to be egregiously illegal, uh, for which uh, far lesser offenses have been punished enormously with years in jail, with disgrace, in the case of General Petraeus, uh, who showed some classified information to his girlfriend, uh, which was under lock and key, uh, guarded by the Marines 24 hours a day in his home, locked in a drawer, and not available on the internet, uh, not susceptible to foreign hacking. I mean, the guy was disgraced. I mean, he had to resign in disgrace, pay a $100,000 fine. I mean, it's been just disastrous. Uh, another kid who took a picture, who took a selfie on a submarine, to show his family what he did for a living, has been sentenced to years in jail, and uh, it's just brutal. So if you're in the FBI and uh, a big fish gets away, if you believe that Hillary Clinton was egregiously guilty of massive violations of security protocols and she gets away, I think you kind of go home thinking like, okay, so maybe I'm just used to bully, I'm just a tool to bully the little guys and the big fish who do the really bad things get away. That's really going to hurt your morale. And um, maybe, just maybe, there were going to be some leaks. Uh, Maybe there was a way that these emails were going to get out to the public in one form or another. And uh, if that was going to be the case, then Comey, of course, would want to get ahead of that and uh, talk about this investigation Ahead of time, uh, my belief as well, it's just a personal belief, of course, but one, one thing that could explain this behavior is um, 
Uh, if Hillary Clinton were to get into office, of course, then um, it would be clear she would not do an investigation into the FBI about its investigation into herself, right? She just want to leave that deep in the rear view. But if Donald Trump gets into power, uh, he's going to, he's very skeptical of the integrity of the FBI in this investigation. He would launch an investigation, not just into Hillary Clinton, but also into how the investigation was handled on the part of the FBI. And um, if anything negative or untoward was revealed about Comey, he could be, uh, he would be in a lot of trouble. And uh, so he may say, okay, well, it didn't look like Hillary Clinton was going to win. Early polls are coming in, or sorry, early uh, polls are coming in, but early results uh, in some areas have been reported. So he may have been saying, okay, well, if Trump gets in, I better get this investigation back on so that it becomes something ongoing rather than something that can be investigated as a past tense situation. So uh, that, I think, uh, it could be a number of reasons as to why it's happening at the moment. So... I think that is a fascinating situation. The idea that, um, you know, a, a degenerate, a sexual degenerate like Anthony Weiner might have played a part in <laughs> helping to save Western civilization is something that, I mean, it's a plot twist worthy of Shemayalin when he could actually write good movies. So uh, that is really quite something. Now, <laughs> moving on from uh, Hillary Clinton to Loretta Lynch. So, I did a video on this, and I won't go over the whole story, but basically the Obama administration um, sent um, $1.7 billion in cash to the government of Iran. Now, Iran, of course, is is designated as a leading state sponsor of terrorism, which leads people to the question, of course, why would you send $1 billion in cash? They had to fly it over in planes, I think, and unload it in pallets like it was some <laughs> post-apocalyptic uh, post-invasion of Iraq scenario. And why, 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 why would you send $1. billion in cash? And cash, of course, is very easy to convert into terrorist activities. So, um, and, and they kind of kept a tight lid on it. And they said, oh, well, it's for arms payments, leftovers from when the Shah was in power and like from decades ago. And I mean, it's all, it's all nonsense. So a bunch of um, congressmen have been demanding answers from Loretta Lynch. Like, what the hell was going on? How did this come about, what was the decisions that were made, what was the process, and so on. And the Attorney General, the Chief Lawmaker of the United States, Loretta Lynch, is declining to comply with this investigation. I, I can't tell you just how like astonishing and astounding this is. I mean, it's not, she hasn't actually pleaded the fifth, but it's kind of like the same thing. So she's, quote, pleaded the fifth. And is this to avoid incriminating herself over these payments? Um... Hard to say, but I, I got to say, um, my curiosity is, is piqued because um, I think Congress has a right to know um, when money was sent to a leading sponsor of state, a leading state sponsor of terrorism. I think it's pretty important to know what the hell was going on. And of course, remember Obama uh, promising the most transparent, uh, uh, the most transparent uh, presidency uh, and um, uh, administration in U.S. history? Are we going to just be an open book and so on? It's like, nope, <laughs> not going to happen. Now, details about this deal, the Iran deal, they're actually not even classified, but but they're being kept under lock and key in a highly secure facility on Capitol Hill. Now, that's pretty pretty remarkable. Now, if you're a lawmaker or a staffer, and if you have clearance to view the documents that are not actually classified, 
you have to um, hand in any cellular devices, any recording devices, any electronics equipments. You can't even take any notes about what you see there and so on. So this is how <laughs> this is how the administration deals with unclassified information. Lock and key. No one can see it, see it without – and you can't take any notes. You can't take any recording devices. can't take any photos compared to Hillary um, who just, you know, has stuff on a server in her toilet – fairly open to the internet and uh, even uses a pretty searchable DNS name, uh, clintonemails.com, so people can find what she's doing. Uh, it is pretty wild. Um, now, the congressmen are kind of frustrated because they say, well, this is what the Obama administration is always doing with this Iran deal, is they're just doing a slow walk and an avoidance and so on. And um, one of them said, well, it's not really a very sustainable process uh, or or defensive tactics that they're they're taking and it's like well it kind of is because you know uh winding down the eight-year rule from hell so um it seems like this slow walk thing is is pretty is working is working pretty well now one senior congressional source uh, and this is from the free beacon um so uh, a senior congressional source who said he knew about the secret documents and the inquiry said the details of the negotiations were so damning that the administration's best strategy is to just kind of ignore and slow walk lawmakers' requests for more information. However, of course, if Donald Trump gets in, I think <laughs> perhaps chief uh, attorney or, or uh, Department of Justice head Rudy Giuliani is going to have rather a, a busy inbox season uh, to try and deal with this stuff. But this is absolutely astonishing. The chief lawmaker, when being asked about sending cash to a state sponsor of terrorism, is just saying, nope, not going to answer. That's truly astounding. Ah, well, how's affirmative action working in the realm of politics, America? About as well as everywhere else, I'm afraid. Now, the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, again, quite astounding. So, if you recall, a couple of things that uh, Hillary Clinton has been talking about lately. I mean, prior to <laughs> dodging questions about Anthony Weiner. The big one is, well, of course the election can't be rigged. I mean, that would be crazy. That would be insane. Elections, honest, it's like four ballots in a billion. It's not important. Of course, the whole point of fraud is you can't find it. The whole point of fraud is that it's undetectable. The whole point of fraud is it doesn't leave a paper trail. So saying we know for sure elections can't be rigged is like, trying to prove that there are no unicorns in the universe. Good luck going from planet to planet. Oh, and one might have evolved in the first planet after you left it and went looking for others. So, number one, elections can't be rigged. Number two, Russia's trying to rig our election. <laughs> Russia's trying to unduly influence our election. Well, which is it? If elections can't be rigged or unduly influenced, then you shouldn't have to worry about Russia doing it. If Russia can do it, I'm pretty sure that people who aren't in Russia, say in America, can also do something to influence the election. So, Anyway, here we go back to uh, a 10-year-old tape. I guess a little more than a 10-years-old. We, we could say 10 and a half, maybe rounded up to 11. So an 11-year-old tape that was surreptitiously recorded is coming to haunt a candidate. No, it's not Billy Bush in a bus talking about the sexual power of um, rich and famous men. Um, it is a different <laughs> 11-year-old recorded a conversation that is causing problems. And you could say just a little bit more important and a tiny bit more relevant to the um, election as it stands. So January 25th, 2006, she was speaking to the Jewish press uh, and she was speaking about uh, the election for the second Palestinian legislative 
Council. That's the legislature of the Palestinian National Authority. So what happened was the result of this election was a resounding victory for Hamas, got 74 seats. And the U.S. actually preferred the group Fatah, which only got 45 seats. Now, Hamas has been designated as a terrorist organization, so obviously the U.S. didn't want them to get in. Now, what Hillary Clinton said was this. I do not think we should have pushed for an election in the Palestinian territories. I think that was a big mistake. And if we were going to push for an election then we should have made sure that we did something to determine who was going to win. Huh. If we were going to push for an election, she said, then we should have made sure that we did something to determine who was going to win. So she's saying that the U.S. could have determined the outcome of an election in a foreign region. Hmm. And, of course, people around the table, uh, one guy was recording this, believe it or not, on a cassette recorder. <laughs> ask your parents. Actually, I don't know. Ask your grandparents these days. So the guy who was recording it, Chomsky, no, not that one, said, quote, anyone could support the idea. He, he remember, sorry, he recalls being taken aback that, quote, anyone could support the idea offered by a national political leader, no less, that the U.S. should be in the business of fixing foreign elections. So... It's really, really bad, you see, when the U.S. attempts to meddle in elections in America, but it's fine when, uh, in fact, it's important and a good thing if America, I guess, according to Hillary Clinton, decides to fix the outcomes of elections in the Palestinian territories. So, ah, slightly more important than talking about women who enjoy having their pussies grabbed? I guess you could say so. And it's just another example of the hypocrisy. Uh, Bad when Russia does it, good when Hillary Clinton suggests it, impossible to happen in America, but America can totally fix it in the Palestinian elections. So also, (laughs) Trump says he wants to negotiate with Russia, keep a conversation going with Russia. And Clinton, who's, I think, dangerously close to tinfoil hat territory when it comes to Russia. Oh, they're crawling up my legs. Ah, they're the one who took my toothpaste cap on and put it in the garbage by mistake. Ah, they took my cell phone and hit it with a hammer. Oh, wait, no, no, that might have been me. So... In talking about, there were conversations back in 2006 uh, regarding Russia and Syria and all of the terrible stuff that's unfolding now. Uh, And um, so someone asked her, you know, what should we do with Russia? Should we talk with Russia about Syria? And Clinton replied, and remember, this is the woman who says that Trump wanting to negotiate with Russia is a terrible thing. It's It's a weakness and so on, right? So Clinton replied about this question of talking with Russia. She said, you know, I'm pretty much of the mind that I don't see what it hurts to talk to people. As long as you're not stupid and giving things away. I mean, we talked to the Soviet Union for 40 years. They invaded Hungary. They invaded Czechoslovakia. They persecuted the Jews. They invaded Afghanistan. They destabilized governments. They put missiles 90 miles from our shore. We never stopped talking to them. Huh. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine destabilizing governments and invading Afghanistan? How evil Russia was for doing that? (sighs) Ah. I don't think this was a comment about Russian history. I think this was her to-do list when she was Secretary of State. But perhaps that's a topic for another time. So she's she's perfectly willing to talk to Russia. And and that, of course, is what Trump is saying in 2016. Um, is exactly what Clinton said 10 or 11 years ago. So uh, with regards to Russia, just after that, she said, quote, But if you say they're evil, we're good, and we're never dealing with them, I think you give up a lot of the tools that you need to have in order to defeat them. So I would like to talk to you, the enemy, because I want to know more about you. Because if I want to defeat you, I've got to know something more about you. 
I need different tools to use in my campaign against you. That's my take on it. So I guess she still finds Russia the enemy. Uh, Of course, people on the left didn't find Russia an enemy when it was a communist dictatorship murdering 70 million people. But um, now uh, that it's a Christian nationalist country, it is a huge and vicious enemy that needs to be defeated. But the way you do it is you stay in conversation, you stay in negotiation, which is kind of what Trump is suggesting. Although I'm not sure he sees, I don't think he sees Russia as some implacable enemy. Uh, ISIS, yes, Russia, no, where of course uh, Clinton and Obama were instrumental in founding and funding and arming ISIS in the beginning. Ah, well, here we go. Just have to Have somebody with common sense uh, go in and clean up the mess left by the affirmative action candidates. And that is a wrap. This is what is going on in the world. It is mind-bending. It is mind-blowing. Thank you so much for your attention. Uh, Thank you so much for watching, for listening. Please, please help out the show. Help us get this word out to more than a quarter of a billion views and downloads uh, uh, over the last while. Thank you so much for watching, for listening. Freedomainradio.com slash donate to help out the show. I appreciate your attention. Please like, subscribe, and share. And have a wonderful day, as the Chinese saying goes. May you live in interesting times. Well, we are down in Chinatown right about now.